Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. We're in this series about finding your purpose. I've gotten so much feedback um, just from people emailing and, and, and just sending me texts like, Pastor Chris, I never really asked God, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? I've had people come to me and be like, I've been saved for 25 years and I never asked God, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? And it's been really an eye-opening thing for me because I've been like, I even asked, I'm like, you know, sometimes you get in emotions like, you know, you're pastor in the church or you're doing whatever you're doing. Like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now in the stage of life I'm in? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Now, a lot of times in life, we get career, we got a career, and we got to have a career, but we put so much emphasis in like, oh my God, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Right? You do that with your finances. Oh my God, are we preparing to retire? Then you do this. Oh wow, am I preparing to do this? Or hey, am I preparing to do that? And then all of a sudden, a light bulb kind of came on in this series for a lot of us, like, hey, wait a minute. Am I doing what I've been placed in this on the earth for? Am I really? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And, you know, I started looking at, so, like, you look at, like, I don't know, the music team's one thing that I kind of look at. I was like, I can't sing. You know what I mean? It's like I sound horrible, you know? And it's like, why are you laughing? That's not funny. You should be, but I, it's horrible, right? So, obviously, I'm not called to sing, right? I see, I watch Derek and these guys playing instruments. I watch Aaron, I kid around, you know, Evan's doing his thing. I'm like, I can't play. I remember, like, remember that thing they gave you that, that thing in school? What was that thing? What do you call it? A recorder. I was, remember I was blowing that? Oh, my God, I was miserable. It's garbage. I was like, I'm musically, I have no rhythm like that. I can't, I couldn't play the draw. I can't keep time. There's no way. I went to go box with our, bo- yeah, I was playing around with, I was like, I'm going to get knocked out because I don't even know when to like bomb, we, like they were throwing days, days were out. I was like, I'm not that coordinated. I can't, I can play sports, but I can't do this. So I was like, I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. But I play a part and you play a part. You know, it's like, I was kidding, right? You know, like you got greeters in the foyer. Imagine like, hi, how you doing? Welcome to Relevant Church. Want a flyer? Like, that's not your calling, man. Go do something else, you know what I mean? It's not that one person's better than the other person, but you got to take, take your part and find your passion and reveal your purpose because you're needed in the kingdom and God needs you. And whether you touch 8 million people or 8 people or no people, you know, it's funny, I was laughing, you know, I, I got a ch- I kind of like went home, but I didn't really go home, but I was close to home. You know, you ever go close to home and you think like, you know, where you lived or where you grew up? And I'm thinking, dude, I was driving, I was driving. I literally had my own personal epiphany. Like if somebody would have came to me and said, 20 years from the day you were there, you'd be doing this. I would have bet you every single dime I have. There's no way it, What? church world and God and man how about you guys right like I was in religion I didn't know anything about God and being born again and and now I look our our whole my whole family you got the same testimony 
has turned towards God. Those kids are going to serve. Grandpa, you're going to be great, great grandpa one day, decided to go with Jesus, and now look where we're at. Some of you are turning your whole family around for God's glory because you're taking steps of purpose towards Jesus. Are you kidding me? You don't think that's big? You don't think that's big teaching your kids about the Lord or you just altering? They're never going to forget this stuff. God is going to make a way, guys. But you got to remember something. It's a purpose step. It's a decision. It's a step towards God. Might not look like everything's working out perfect, but I promise you this. God's got his hand on your life because you're deciding to what? Even just acknowledge, hey, God, I know you got a plan. I know you got a purpose. But one of the greatest things that I've been seeing in this whole series has been this. And a lot of people have been getting ministered to by this. And this is what I want to talk to you today about is this, is that when you find your purpose, you have to remember that no mistake is too big to be forgiven. You got to write that down. I see so many people trying to disqualify themselves because of mistakes they've made in the past. And they're almost basically saying, well, you know what? I kind of messed it up. So since I messed it up, it's going to be a mess. But I got news for you. It's not going to be a mess just because you had a bad chapter in life. You just got to rewrite the next chapter. Listen, man. That's a good place to clap. You're right, right? Because why? You got to remember that. Think of this. Oh, you know what? Well, I made mistakes. Every mistake that's been made is not too big to be forgiven. This is the thing with purpose that everybody gets. Like, well, you know, I had a bad, you ever have a bad day? You ever just have a bad day and it looks like everything that's gone around that bad day, you know, sometimes you look like you got, you're like, oh my God. Or do you ever have a bad season? Come on, everybody in this room went through a bad season. And if you're not careful, that bad season tries to attach itself to you to try to rob you of future success. And that's what you got to remember. There's no mistake that's too big for God to forgive you, and there's no problem too big for God to give you a new course. you got to remember this with purpose. You cannot disqualify yourself because your performance didn't line up with your purpose. Your purpose is greater than your performance. And if you look in the Bible and you see these great men and women of God, they literally look like misfits, to be honest, if you think about it, but God still used them. They had great mistakes. God didn't disqualify the people with great mistakes and go, okay, you messed it up. Now I'm going to take away from you what I called you to be. I'm going to take away from you what I called you to do and give it to somebody else. That's not the God you serve. The God you serve said, hey, let me work with your human frailty and let me work with your human weakness and let me make you stronger for the next season so your next season can be your best season. That's the key with God. And you want to know why I think he does it? I think he does it for this very reason, so we can be compassionate towards others. Because a lot of times, unless you go through some stuff, you're not compassionate towards other people when they go through stuff. Have you ever said some real boneheaded thing? You know what I mean? Have you ever just acted a little ugly? You know what I mean? With your mouth? Come on, right? Y'all lie in church. I don't know how you get out of this building and living now. Hey, come on. Oh, come on. You ever just say something? You ever act like a real winner, you know, with your mouth? And then you're like, oh, my God, you're so, you're so embarrassed by your mouth. Or, or, you know, the kids remind you of it. You were yelling the other day, Daddy. I'm like, be quiet. Go to your room. Be quiet. Uh, 
honor, honor your father and leave me alone. Right? You ever been like that? So what do you do when like the next person acts like a bonehead with their mouth? You're like, oh, don't worry about it. I've been there. You're more compassionate, right? You ever do something that's totally embarrassing? Come on. You ever act ugly or be a, you know, a, real, a real embarrassing moment? You, know, you're like, you ever have a moment you're not too proud of? Well, y'all lying in church again, man. I don't know how you're doing it, right? You know, and then like somebody has an ugly moment towards you. Oh, I had the best story, right? I had the best story. I, I was, man, I got some stories, man. I got some good ones, you know? The one morning I was here and, you know, I tell everybody, you know, I was taking care of both sides of the ministry. We we're taking care of this. We were taking care of some stuff. And man, I had one morning, Tony, you should have seen me, man. Lauren will tell you, Evan will tell you. Evan's probably seen me at my best that day. I went in the office and I told the guy on the other side of the phone, I said, if you touch that again, I promise you, I'm gonna shove that phone down your throat when I see you in person. I'm getting ready to go preach. I'm getting ready to go preach the gospel. I walked in the other office. I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. I said, I've been up, I woke up five different times because you didn't do your job. This God's honest, this is the truth. I don't lie to you. It's the truth, right? I said, I've been up four different times. I'm watching YouTube three o'clock in the morning from Africa that this thing's on. You should have took care of this. You didn't do what I called you to six times about. I got to go preach in five minutes. I said, stop thinking and just pay attention. If you don't stop doing what you're doing, whatever you're doing with this thing, Lauren saved the day. Again, as usual, wasn't here. It was at the other campus stuff. It was different then. And I said, if you touch that thing again, you see the phone you got in your hand, I'm going to shove it down your throat when I'm done. I promise you, God will forgive me and it'll be okay. They looked at me like, did he just say what he said? I said, yes and amen. I took the platform. I, from there to there, I said, God, I repent. I'll fix that later. I got up here, preached the best sermon of my life. Why? Are you proud of it? No. Then I get phone calls in the afternoon. Did you say that? Did, yeah, I said every word of it, praise the Lord. And I'm going to do it again, praise God. Next thing you know, I got a whole afternoon of fun-filled stuff. And you know what I thought about? Was it a, was it a human moment? Yeah, it was a human moment. Was I serious about it? Yes, I was. Why? Because God will forgive me. Listen, sometimes people aggravate you or something happens or you don't look great. And you want to know what? I got compassion for other people when they don't look great because I haven't looked great. Are you proud of those moments? No, you grow beyond those moments. But here's what you better remember. You're not perfect, and the guy sitting next to you ain't perfect, and the person in front of you ain't perfect, and the person in back of them ain't perfect, and the only reason why God uses imperfect people is because he's still a perfect God. And just in case, you were maybe going to take just a little credit for doing great things for the kingdom, you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, know you and all your imperfectness, and God still uses you. And when he does it, you go, wow, that was really cool. Why? Because you know where you were 10 minutes before God used you. Don't disqualify what God qualified. Your flaws do not necessarily prevent God from using you. Your flaws exist to motivate you to pursue God. It's in my human weakness that I have desire to know God more. If you could do everything by yourself, especially what God called you, you wouldn't even check in with God. That's why God always gives you something bigger than you, so you know you got to rely on God. I was preaching, you know, we went and preached a little bit, came back, and I was telling them the story, you know, because I talked about purpose, because purpose is in me. I never forget, I was flying on a plane, you know, I was coming back from India, I was all by myself, nobody was here, none of you guys were here, it was just me and the Lord back then, I didn't have no ministry, and God goes, I want you to write a book. I said, you're right, ha ha, funny, funny. 
I don't even know where to put a comma for crying out loud. If you get an email from me, it's miserable. I don't know what, I don't even know what a semicolon is and all that other stuff, whatever. Forget it. Leave me alone. My mother should have got the diploma 25 years ago, 30, whatever it was. God bless you. I got out. Okay, well, there's hope for your kids, all right? So I'm going, I don't want to write a book. Get somebody else to write a book. I can't write a book. I don't even know where to do this thing. And where, ever, you know how I write a letter? I go a little longer, and then I put a period where I think one should be, and then I give it to Lauren, and she fixes it. Every day, I get, hey, Lauren, read this thing. Make sure I don't look like a moron and fix this. Thank you. Amen. And I send it, and it looks way better than me doing it because she did it. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I said, God, no. And God said, no, I want you to do it. I said, go get these other guys to do it. And he brought the team to help me before the team was ever here. And I said, God, why in the heaven would you get me? to write a book. He goes, because you won't take no credit for it. I said, what do you mean? I prayed about it. Boaz, I literally prayed to God. I said, why do you want me to write a book? You better answer me because I don't know why. This makes no sense. I had nobody to help. He said, I'll bring the people to help you. Just do what I said. I said, why would you even pick me? I don't want to do it. He said, because if you do it, you won't take no credit for it. And a lot of times people do stuff for me. They want to take the credit because they think it's them. I need them to know it's me. I said, okay, you got, the, you got the perfect guy for the job because I know I have no hope and a shot in doing this thing. And it worked. Why? Because God wants you to rely on him, not yourself. So a lot of things God called you to do, guess what? You can't see, you can do it, but God gave you the ability to do it. And if he didn't give you the ability to do it, he'll bring the team around you to get it done. But you're so worried about taking a step of faith sometimes because you can't see it, but got news for you, if it's, you could pull it off by yourself, God's probably not in it. Because God needs faith to work, and the only way to need faith is you got to what? Have hope. And if you need hope, guess what? you got to have something so big you can't do it by yourself. That's how God works. Look what he says in Psalms 139.15. I love this. He says, you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Are you reading this? Bit by bit, how I was sculpted. From nothing into something. He's talking about you. Are, you. are you absorbing this? Don't just read this like the Bible, like I'm reading the Bible. No, you're reading your, this is your will and testament. This is your love letter from God. This is what he's saying to you. He said, I sculpted you from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. And all the stages of my life were what? Spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared even before I lived one day. What? Did you read that? He got today figured out because he prepared it. He's got tomorrow. God's got six months, six years. Until you take your last breath on the earth, God's got everything prepared. But if you don't show up, his ability can't kick in. That's what he said. He said, I prepared it. It's ready for you. It's ready for you now. Guess what that means? That means you just got to keep taking faith steps even when you can't see it. So write this down. God has basically anticipated you're in my weakness. It's okay to say that. We don't like talking like that in church, but it's okay. God already knows you're going to be weak and the areas you're going to be weak. That's why he set you up to have strength. So he's waiting for you in your future to prepare you for what he's planned. You just got to take steps. Have you ever gone somewhere with inability and then step into the moment and then the ability of God shows up? Maybe you're a student, right, and you're taking a test. You're like, I do not know what in the world's going on. I'm freaking out. And then you show up for the test and you think you're ill-prepared, but all of a sudden you're brilliant and you get an A. It's pretty wild how it works, ain't it? 
Have you ever just really had something so big in the job and it just seems like, I'm not ready for this project. How are we going to get this finished? And all the little dominoes start falling into place because you took a step of faith and trusted God. Have you ever embarked in any adventure in life and go, I don't know how this is going to happen, but we've got to take a step. Let's just take a step and trust God. Let's just take a step and believe that God's going to meet us in the middle of this. Maybe you've been on a health journey and the doctor's report didn't look good. And you're like, I don't know how this is going to be. Well, he said, just take a step and trust me. Just take a step and trust me. There you go. Take a step and trust me. You don't know how. You don't know when. But I'm going to work it out. Everything you do in life is a faith. But God's already knew it was coming. And he prepared a way. But you got to walk by faith and not by sight. He knows we're going to be weak. But he makes us strong. Let the weak say they're strong. Why? Because he's set up strength for you and me. He knows we got to be weak, but guess what? He gave us places of strength. Here's a big one. Look at Psalms 103.13. This is so good. Look at 13 and 14. This is your love letter. The same way a loving father feels towards his children. That's but just the sample of your tender feelings towards us. That's God's feelings towards you. Your beloved children who you live in all of you. This is so cool. You know all about us inside and out. And you were what? Mindful that we were made from dust. He's saying, I know your human frailties. So he's saying, he said, I know where you came from. Y'all came from dust. But guess what? I gave you ability. What's God saying? He's not downplaying us. He's not being rude to us. He's not being insensitive to us. You know what he's saying? He says, I know you're human and I gave you strength for everything you're going to face. I know what you needed and I prepared it before you. I know what you got to have, and I put it in today. I know what you're going to need tomorrow, so I put it in there already. I know everything you're going to need to make it through every moment of your life because I am the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. And I'm coming right there in the middle and giving you the strength to do what I called you to do, be what I called you to be, dream what I called you to dream, and accomplish the plan that I gave you from the foundation of the womb. That's what he tells you. That's God. And you say, I don't believe it. You want to know what? Neither do I. But you take a faith step anyway and believe it anyway because he doesn't give you all the details. I don't know about you, but God is like, he's good, he's cool, it's cute. You know what I love about God? I've actually told him this. I said, you know something? You really weird me out. Because you got all these details for stupid stuff. For me, it's stupid. Have you ever seen the tabernacle? Have you ever, have you ever talked, you ever, you, ever, you ever read about the temple? If you go to Chronicles and you read about the temple, have you ever heard about the detail? I want you to make the thing out of gopher wood. What in the heaven is gopher wood? One in the heaven is like, it needs to be nine cubits high and 27 cubits this. And the drapes got to be like this. And the blinds got to be like that. And everything's got to be like that. And it's got to be gold. And te- hey, go, hey, God, hey, 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 time out, bro. How about like all the detail of the temple you give me for my life? Like, hey, in five years, you're going to do this. And in 10 years, you're going to do that. And 15 years, you're going to look like that. In 30 years, this is going to, no, God just goes, go. That's it. Your life is go. And the tabernacle is go for wood made from hollow trees. I don't understand why. But it takes faith to believe him anyway. And you got to trust it's you. You ever feel like unqualified? Praise the Lord, and he means you're qualified. You ever feel like you can't? Praise the Lord, God's going to use you. You ever feel like God should give this to somebody else, but he gave it to you? Glory to God, and welcome to the ministry. See, I'm telling you, this is the people God uses. You know, you think it's like, oh, pastor, you got to say that. I'm not just saying that, I'm proving it. I'm proving it. You can find them all in the Bible unqualified people with a dream so big that they could not do it by themselves. Sound familiar? Yeah, it's me and you sitting in the seat today. Write this down. Jesus forgave your past to protect your future. That's so strong, man. You want to know? It's a great word. You want to know why? Because he did, you want to know why he did it? 
Because if he didn't forgive your past, you would never forget it. You would never forgive it. And you would ne- you never forget it, and you never forgive it. That's why Jesus forgave it, to protect your future. Because your future is so much brighter than your past. But sometimes when we have setbacks, or we have regrets, or we have stuff that happens, we can't live beyond it, because we don't have the natural ability to think beyond it. Because it just keeps pulling us back into place and time. But I promise you, don't let a minute of life in the past rob you of your future currency of time of today. It's too precious. We've all got things we're not proud of. We've all got things we made mistakes. But guess what? God said, I'll forgive you. The willful things, the known things, and the unknown things to protect your future. Because if he didn't forgive it, you would not forget it. And if you can't forget it, you can't live beyond it. And I'm going to say something in here, and I love you guys. Some of you got to stop talking about the stuff. Say, you know, I had somebody come to me and say, I want to forget the past. I'm like, well, stop talking about it. Stop bringing it up. Nobody knows. The only thing people know about you is what you tell them. Stop telling them stuff you don't want to relive. But pastor, I got to tell somebody. Well, tell Jesus in your prayer time, but stop telling people in the earth. All you're doing is creating a reality in today of what happened yesterday. Stop it. Stop talking about it. Well, you know, 1994, I went bankrupt and blah, 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 blah. All right, stop talking about it. Well, I went through a horrendous divorce in 73. Stop talking about it. Yo, somebody didn't, stop talking about it. Stop creating a reality in 2023 of something that happened 20 years ago. Why? Because if Jesus forgets your past, you got to forget it too. You can't keep talking about it and forget about it because it creates a reality today of what was yesterday. Why did God forgive my past? So he could protect my future. Look at this. Look what it says in Psalms 25 and 4. These scriptures are so good. I hope you're writing them down, right? Lord, direct me throughout my journey. This is what he says. So I can experience your plans for my life. Stop right there. We could say amen. Did you see what he just said? He said, Lord, direct me throughout my journey so I can experience your plans for my life. Reveal the life paths that are pleasing to you. Man, that's good, ain't it? It's like a prayer, and it's an asking, and it's a question, and it's so. But look what he says. Escort me along the way and take me by my hand and teach me. When's the last time you asked God to teach you? You know what I learned about that? You're not going to like it. You want to know why we don't ask God to teach us? Because we don't like to be corrected. We don't. So many people live in offense, and they don't even realize it. They hold on to offense, and they say, oh, you know, I'm not offended. You are offended. You got to grow up sometimes. I know it's not easy and it's not simple, but have you ever been in a place where you ask God to teach you and sometimes it's a little corrective in love? Well, guess what? That's why we usually don't go back for more instruction because instruction usually means I have to grow. And nobody really likes instruction if you really think about it because sometimes it doesn't let me hold on to my own opinion of what I want to hold on to. I got to let go of my opinion and take God's opinion. I ask the Lord, teach me. You want to know what usually happens with that? He redirects me. He leads you. He guides you. But how many of you know the safest place in the world for me and you is in the palm of God's hand? When's the last time we said, God, teach us? Look at this scripture. He says, teach me, for you are the God of my increasing salvation, and I have wrapped my heart into yours. 
God loves you, man. He's not taking anything from you. If God corrects you, it's going to be in love. And if God redirects you, it's going to be the best thing for your life. You ever been in a relationship God doesn't want you to be in? It's not easy. It feels like your heart got ripped out. But guess what? If it isn't the plan of God for your life, why would you want to be in it? You ever have, have association with people and you feel like something's changed in the relationship and all of a sudden now people that were in your life are out of your life and you don't know why and you go, why is this? But it's better for you. 20 years later, you found that why. You ever been, you ever been something, ever had something in your life, maybe a dream or a plan, and you said, I really want to go do this and God's like, that's not the plan for you. I can remember time after time after time after time. I said to God, what about that? He said, that's not for you. I said, Okay. What about that? He said, that's not for you to do. I said, this is news to me. I told you the story. I told God one time sitting in the Miracle Center, morning prayer. I said, I'll build you a tabernacle, debt free. That's what I was telling God. I said, I'll build you a church, debt free. We didn't have no church. We had, the, we had the Miracle Center. I said, I'll build you a church, debt free. I was talking to my heart. I'll build you a church, debt free. Get people saved. Get people filled. Get people in the kingdom. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, if I didn't call you to do it, you won't get no reward for it. I said, I'm building a church, debt-free, doing all this, doing all that. I'm not going to get no reward for it. He said, no. I said, you're going to have to prove it in the Bible. Three weeks later, I'm reading about Solomon. David wanted to build the tabernacle. He said, you're not. He said, you're a man of war. You go fight. He said, Solomon, you go build the church. They had plenty of money. David had plenty of money. Solomon had plenty of money. You're only responsible for what God has called you to do. Let me tell you another thing. Some of you need to hear this. What you are not responsible for, mind your business and stay out of it. That's where a lot of you are getting in trouble because you're getting into stuff God never gave you responsibility for. Stay out of it. I'm telling you, I'm learning this more and more and more. People said, if you ain't, so they'll come to me. Oh, you know, I said, if it ain't my responsibility, I don't want to get in it. Mind your business. Don't worry about it. Unless God has put me uh, over it to be responsible for it, I am not what? In charge of it? I don't want nothing to say about it. That's where some of you are meddling where you don't need to meddle. Can I get an amen? amen? Well, you know, I want to get in sister so-and-so spirituality. Bottom line is this, unless God puts sister so-and-so under you, leave her alone. Well, brother so-and-so needs this. No, no, leave it alone. That you don't need to be in charge of what God has not put you in responsibility over. I knew that was going to go over big today. Praise the Lord. Why? Because we're nosy. We want to go getting into people's business. They ain't got no business getting in that. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking to you. Come on, somebody. Come on. Hope he's not talking to you. In the, in the words of my father, stop being a buttinsky. Come on. Stop butting in this stuff. You don't need to be, get, get, come on. You know what I'm saying? Tell the truth, right? People want, well, you know, now all of a sudden, they're, they're, no, stay in your lane. Stay in your responsibility and stay out of the people's stuff. You got enough stuff. You're over. Don't go meddling in stuff you don't need to. Is that, does that bear witness to your heart? Well, what has that got to do with this? It's got a lot to do with it. Sometimes you get into things that God never told you to carry, and that's why we get in trouble. Because you're supposed to say, my, my, I got a lot of pressure. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. Maybe you're carrying stuff you shouldn't be carrying. That's why your season of burden has become. Just saying. If Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light, and that's part of your responsibility, maybe some of you are getting into things you should not be lifting because God has not made it your responsibility, but you decided to make it your responsibility, and now that it's your responsibility, you don't have the grace for it. 
Just saying. Check it out. Think about it. Man, I'm so worn out. This thing's beating me down. But are you supposed to be carrying it? If your yoke is easy and my burden's light, if it's heavy and you're not light, you might have to ask yourself, what am I hanging on to? Maybe I shouldn't be holding on to. Look what it says right here. Lord, don't you love this? Direct me throughout my journey so I can experience your plans. You see that in Psalm 25? For my life, reveal the life paths that are pleasing to you. Escort me along the way. Take me by the hand and teach me. You are the God of my increased salvation. I want to show you this next part. 20, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgive my failures as a young man and overlook the sins of my immaturity. Give me grace, Lord, and always look at me through your eyes of love. Man, is that not good? Right? Sometimes we made mistakes because we're a little bit, we didn't understand. Or maybe we got in a spot where we got a little jammed up because we didn't. Why does God forgive my past? So he can protect my future. That's the God's honest truth. Here's the thing. So this is the thing. Write this down. This is going to help you. This is a bonus. Your assignment is going to require a season of preparation. Nobody likes it. Because how many of you know preparation seasons are lonely? Amen? Seasons of preparation. Are the, now, this is where you can ask yourself, why am I in this season of isolation? Okay? you got to realize something. So remember Jesus, I talked about this this morning, and I want you to say, remember Jesus goes to the River Jordan, he comes up out of the River Jordan, the Bible says like a dove descended from the heavens upon him, and you've seen the Holy Spirit, and the earth said this, that it could hear God's voice, and God said, that is my son, the whole earth, that is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You're thinking, great, Jesus is in the middle of his purpose. I got news for you, Jesus literally goes to John the Baptist in that very moment trying to fulfill his purpose and says to John, baptize me. I have to get in the plan that God has for my life even though I am the son of God. And Jesus says, "Good, I'm really obedient. As he obeys, heaven opens up and goes, that's my son and well pleased. The next thing you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasts and when he's hungry, here comes the tempter. That doesn't sound like a great plan to me. How about you? I'm being led into the wilderness, a season of isolation, a season of being alone, 40 days and 40 nights by himself fasting and praying and being God knows what tempted internally by a struggle. He's tempted by himself. He's tempted to quit. He's probably been, the Bible says he was tempted in all ways, just like me and you. So every temptation you've ever had, he beat it. Now here comes the devil and says, if you are the son of God, turn that stone into bread. Use your authority wrong. Act wrong. He says, I won't do it. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. He said, I won't do it. You should not tempt the Lord thy God. He said, if you are, he said, bow down and worship me. He, this is the key. He said, if you bow down and worship me right now, I'll give you everything that your father is going to give you after you give up your life. I can give it to you today. God said, nope. Jesus said, I'm not doing it. Why? He said, no, because I'll know nobody to worship but my father. I'm not worshiping you. Faces the greatest temptation. He's separated for isolation. You think, what is that isolation for? I never understood isolation until now. I'm going to tell you what your preparation season does. The purpose of isolation is to birth a total focus on God for your life. That is why I never had the answer. God separates you. I didn't understand isolation, Mike. I didn't even know why. Why do we got to go be isolated? Why do I got to go through this? Because God wants your total 
focus to be on him. So isolation is not about anything else but you putting your total focus on God. You're isol- you feel like you're in obscurity. You feel like you're all alone. It's miserable. If you don't understand the season of isolation, you'll quit, come out too early, and jack up your future. Nobody likes it, but everybody's got to go through it. What do you mean isolation? Sometimes you got to separate from people. Sometimes you got to separate from your friends. Sometimes you got to separate from your family. And you got to make God your number one focus in life. I never, I knew what this season was, but up until this week, I could not coin it in a phrase. I could promise you with every fiber of my being, the only reason why you and I go through isolation is so that God can become the total focus of your life. No one else but him. So when you go through your wilderness experience, everybody in this room is going to go through it. You don't know why. You don't know how come. I'm telling you today, with every fiber of my being, I know exactly why. Because your total focus needs to be on God. And the only way to get that total focus on God in this preparation season is you got to be alone with him. And I'm going to tell you what it looks like. It looks like everybody, nobody understands you. Everybody's walked away, and you're all by yourself staring at you. Jesus went through it. You're going to go through it. And I promise you this, it's not wasted time. It's preparation time. Some of you already been there and went through it. Some of you are preparing to go. But notice, it's not a wasted time. It's a preparation time for total focus on God. And if you can master the isolation when you come out, you spend time with God. So when you come out and spend time with people, you'll never stop hearing God's voice. That's what it's about. It's not punishment. It's preparation. Because it's the only voice you hear in a season. And then when you come out and come before the people, when the people are all noisy, you'll still hear his voice. I promise you that's how it works. But it's preparation. But here's the thing. Get these two. You got to get these. Here's a big thing. Ready? Write this down. Your greatness is trapped inside of your littleness. Write that down. You know why? You ever see like a redwood? Yeah, I've been to California. They got great weather. They got the best weather. Nothing else. That's about it. Right? Okay. Right? But you ever see a redwood tree? Yeah, my buddy went there, and I don't remember who it was, but my buddy was there, and he sent me this picture. And it was a big old carving where trucks can drive through the tree. You ever see those redwood trees? You know what I'm saying? Big old tree. You ever go back here in the backyard, see these big old trees? You got some at your house, big old trees. You know where that thing came from? A seed. So can you look at that seed and see that redwood? I couldn't. Most people can't. But inside that littleness is greatness. In that seed is great potential to grow this huge, massive tree. You want to know what's inside of you? A seed of God and potential. You don't see it. You don't feel it. You don't even understand it. Jesus even said, so much so is the kingdom of heaven. As a man should cast the seed in the ground, he shall go to bed day and night. He doesn't know how, but first the blade, then the ear, then the full kernel in the ear. It's the process of spiritual growth. If you let the seed stay in you day and night, something starts growing on the inside of you. That's great. That can, Jesus even said, um, it's like uh, the birds in the air can actually come and stand in those tree limbs because it grew internally. What is he saying he's saying if you can hang on to the littleness you can see God's greatness if you can hang on to that little seed and not let it go it'll produce gray in your life but never despise the littleness because trapped within the littleness is the greatness what am I saying I can't do it. Good. Stay little because he'll stay big. I don't know how, but with God, all things are possible. You see what I'm saying? Don't get into thinking, it's, I don't know how. Don't worry about it. In your inability, you're going to find God's ability. It's 
Take a step. Take a step. But stay little. Don't get big. Stay little in your own. The, the, the greatest story in the Bible was Saul. He was anointed to be king. He was. But he had to get replaced. You know what God tells him in 1 Samuel? He said, when you were little in your own eyes, you were big. But the minute you started thinking it was you doing it, kiddo, you messed it all up. And literally, David comes to replace him. David is called the man after God's own heart. He's a misfit. But as long as you keep your heart right, God will keep you right. God can work with certain things, but certain things he can't. Stay little. Don't worry about it. You serve a big God, he's got you. Two things you got to do to start from this very moment. I'm going to give them to you quick. Number one is this. You got to stop talking at the level where you're at. Stop it. You got to start talking at another level of life. You can't get to the next level of life if you keep talking at this level of life. Can you, you know, we got the daycare next door. It's great. You ever go to the daycare? You ever go over there? Yeah, Crystal, you go every day. You work there. Praise the Lord. And you're a great teacher. But you ever see the kids? Sometimes I go over there. I don't know exactly what the kids are saying. You know what I mean? The little ones especially. They don't make sense sometimes. It's like, what'd that kid say? Amen. Can you imagine if at 52 years old I was talking like a four-year-old? That wouldn't look right, would it, right? Tony, I'd be yelling at you, give me the blocks right now, or I'm going to th- knock you in the head with a hammer, right? Come on, guys. Are you getting this? You spiritually mature like you naturally mature. You can't be talking like a 10-year-old at 50 years old. You can't be talking like a 20-year-old at 60 years old. What am I trying to get you to see? You have to develop in your spiritual life like you develop in your natural life. I can't be running around, baba, blocks, cookies. Come on, guys. You see what I'm saying here? Some of you are talking at the level of where you were at, and God wants you to start talking at the level of where you're going. Come on, guys. The only way to really understand that your purpose can be fulfilled is you got to start talking at a different level of where your purpose is taking you. I don't understand that. It's simple. You use it everywhere else. You can't be talking the way you want to talk and fulfill the purpose that's on your life. you got to talk in line with your purpose, not with your place. If you just keep talking where you're at, you're only going to see what you have. The moment you start elevating your talking to the place where God wants you to be, you're going to talk yourself out of this season right into the next season. You might be facing some obstacles this season, but guess what you're going to do? You're going to talk bigger than the obstacle you're facing, and you're going to elevate to your next season. You might be thinking, that's the next thing. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to think in line with your purpose, and you've got to think in line and speak in line with your purpose. You can't be talking like a normal human. You know, it's funny. Caleb and Joshua produced that in the Bible. They were there. They were getting ready to go take the land. You all know the story. Three and a half million people got the negative confession. Caleb and Joshua go, we're sure well able to overcome. What did they see different than everybody else saw? They saw with purpose. Why were they even standing outside of the promised land? Keith, you know why. Because God said, go take it. See, let me tell you what happens. God speaks to you according to the purpose that he gave you, the plan that he gave you, the dream that he gave you, the things in the word he gave you. But guess what? When you show up, not everybody might be saying what you say. What happened with those guys? We can't take it. We can't do it. There's no way to get it done. There's giants in the land. But what did Caleb and what did Joshua? The Bible says they had a different kind of spirit, right? What was their spirit? 
faith. I like it. Sounds good to me. But how about faith and purpose? Why were Caleb and Joshua even at the beginning of the promised land? Because God said, I gave you a purpose. Take my people into a land that I'm going to show them. It's greater than the place they were in bondage and when they were trapped in this thing. And I want them to live the best life now. Caleb and Joshua just got to the brink and said, I don't care about the giants. I don't care about the problems. I don't care about what you see. I see what purpose said. We're well able to take the land. I don't know how we're going to take the land. I don't know when we're going to take the land. I don't know what God's going to do to get us to take the land. But he gave us a purpose to take these people into the promised land. And if you're not going, we're still going. We're well able to do what God said we can do. Let me tell you, if you can hold on to your purpose, if you can hold on to the plan, if you can hold on to what God called you to do, and you can hold on to what God said you can be, I don't care what comes against you, what giant comes against you, what walled city comes against you, what anything comes against you, if you could just hang on, it might be 40 years later, but you're going to get that thing that God said you can get, just like Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because purpose brought them to the threshold of greatness. And you just can't let go. What did everybody else see? We're not able. What do you mean you're not able? God said you're able. God gave him the purpose. Do you think Caleb and Joshua wanted to go take the land? I don't know. But I know God did. God wanted them to fulfill a purpose. God wanted them to fulfill a plan. God wanted them to fulfill their destiny. Could they have quit like everybody else? Yep. Could they have gone in with everybody else and we're not able? Let's just go back. They could have just said, no, we're not able. How are we going to beat these guys? Too big. Three million people don't want to go. Who are me? Can you imagine Caleb and Joshua like, who are, what are we thinking? What are we doing? I bet you they had like a little powwow, you know? I would have, if it was me and you, right? I'd be like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, man, you want to be Joshua or you want to be, you want to be Caleb? I don't know, we can be whatever. What are we going to do? These people ain't going. They had to get there, man. Put it in your head. There's three million people saying no. The spies that went represented the home team. These guys weren't duds. They were champions, man. They were the best of the best. That's why God sent them. And they're all like, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. We're not going. We can't. Look at the giants. Look at the wall. They were all at the same purpose. Go there. And I, Caleb Joshua said, hey, I don't want to sign in with these guys because they said we can't, but we know God said we can. What do you want to do? I say we take the land. Let's do it. We're well able. What told them they were well able? The purpose why they were there. Not their ability. Not their ability. Listen. Two guys against giants is impossible. Not your ability, but based upon your purpose. Caleb and Joshua, I need you to stand and take the ground. You know that dream inside of you? I don't care if it's your career. I don't care if it's the thing God, I don't care what it is. It doesn't just have to be spiritual. Maybe you got a dream that God gave you and he said, you're going to do it. Maybe it's that, maybe you're going to be an accountant. That's a great dream. Maybe you're going to be a stay-at-home mom. That's a great dream. Maybe you're going to be a law enforcement guy. Maybe you're going to start a gym. Maybe you're gonna, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what's inside of you. But it's your purpose. I'm facing giants. 
You're always going to face giants. But guess what? You're still well able. Don't let the giants of life talk you out of the purpose that God gave you. Might look small to you, but it's big. Caleb and Joshua's stand of faith has given us a freedom that we have today, probably decades after their stand, to say we can. Whose life is waiting on the other side of your obedience? That you might not see today, but we'll see in eternity because you fulfill what God set you in the earth to do. You're a whole lot bigger than you think you are. Hold on to that dream. Hold on to your purpose. And don't forget, it's important to God and it's important to you. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for these guys. I thank you for everything that's going on in their life. They're moving forward in their purpose. They're taking their stand. They're walking in the opportunity of faith. And I pray, Father, that you bear witness through this message with what's in their heart. Let them see and let them know greater than ever before what you called them to be. Let them do and let them accomplish everything you have for them. And Father, I just thank you that they are going to spiritually fulfill, naturally fulfill everything you called them to be and do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. And just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. Because we don't ever want to leave this place without giving you the opportunity to make sure your heart's right with God. The very first step to fulfilling your purpose and fulfilling your calling is making Jesus the Lord of your life. And nothing that you've ever done, nothing that you ever will do can separate you from his love, from his purpose for your life or from your calling. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. Maybe you're in here today and maybe you say, I haven't been living like Jesus is the Lord of my life. It doesn't mean just saying a prayer. It means that you wake up every day and you say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? Where you make him truly your Lord and your Savior. And every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is a moment just for you today. But if you're in here today and you say, today is the day I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. It's not just about eternal life, even though that's a benefit. It's about living a life here on earth where you have someone that will never leave you nor forsake you. Someone who will forgive you for anything you've ever done. And if that's you this morning and you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, would you just raise your hand and say, I want to make that decision today. I want to make him my Lord. I want to make him my Savior. And we can all say this together. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God. And I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, I choose you. I choose to serve you. I choose to follow you. And I choose you as the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Well, how many of you are ready to go out this week? And live your life with purpose. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.